both by way of television and radio. We may be small in numbers, but we're great in quality. We thank the Lord for the possibility of outreach and being a part of a techie community where we can go on YouTube and Facebook and all means of Uchi and, and all those common acronyms that deal with communication. Yeah. I'm going to have Marie here in a few moments introduce our guest. Wanted to welcome all those by way of television and radio this morning as we come to worship and bring in a periodically people will call in or meet me or and suggest a topic that they'd like me to approach on Sunday morning and we kind of break away from the, the normal and we go into the extra normal and and so this morning we have a guest with us and Marie. Marie.
preceded the Sturdor Great Song, Thy Word is a Lamp, Purple, number 601, on the birthdays of Chris Larson and Elsie Hernandez. That's our daughter Joy's um, daughter, Elsie. Both Chris and Elsie are celebrating their birthdays. Thy Word is a Lamp, Purple, number 601. saying to me and what you think you're saying and what I feel you're saying to me. 
in communication, so we're going to grasp this topic. But um, let's go to the Lord first in prayer. We thank you, O Lord, for your word is truly a, a lamp. And we pray, blessed Lord, that you have caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning. Grant us so to hear from your word, to read your word, to mark your word, to learn and inwardly digest thy truths that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you've given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit. We thank you, O Lord, for those who are celebrating birthdays and anniversaries. Our hearts are still beating in the death of Joe Reinhardt. We pray for Rich and Alex and Charles and friends and loved ones in the Reinhardt family. We thank you for Elsie Boquist and her faithfulness and stewardship and in the churches I served. And we thank you, Father, that she's such a good steward of her time and her talents and her treasures. Pray for those who are celebrating birthdays and anniversaries for Elsie Duran and Chris Larson. We pray for anniversary of Gary and Kathy Groves and their indispensable work in the church, the kingdom of God. We pray for my daughter, Old Cherry, Ashton Brenner, and Janet Peterson. Janet is really struggling with some broken bones and, and memory and dementia. We pray for the Woodrow family and the entire Peterson family. The Stando family. Pray for Hope as she transitions this week, her third biopsy, and we pray that you continue to have your hand of healing upon her, the experimental drugs that are being utilized in her body and the after effects. Pray for those who are by way of television and those who are present in our worship service maybe struggling with health challenges and financial concerns and job-related issues. Thank you for the Thompson family. We pray that you continue to be with Mike and Joel and their loved ones, their, their spouses and their, their children and grandchildren. We thank you for the legacy. That's Joshua. Chapter 24, verse 15, and Matthew chapter 10 reminds us that as for me and my household, will serve the Lord with our God. It's a great personal choice that we need to make that personal individualized choice. It's a paternal, it's, it's an issue that's raised in homes. And it's a very public issue, too. And the choices that we make and the deliberations we make, the, the responsibilities and the effectiveness of taking a courageous stand for God in the personal and domestic and social areas of life. They were all called to be soldiers of the cross, to dare, to be brave. And the question is always being asked, who is on the Lord's side? May we be found faithful and true. 
bearers of your good news, glad tidings. As you taught us all to pray and sing together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And at this time, we're going to look at Joshua chapter 24, 15, and Matthew chapter 10. And Mike has a number of other scriptures that's coinciding with this. And Mike, you come forward and become prepared to, to share. It's not uncommon to find a plaque in a home. I grew up with this plaque in my parents' and my grandparents' home. This plaque took the scripture from Joshua chapter 24, 15. And where I'm visiting many of your homes, I've seen this plaque. It's taken from Joshua, the 24th chapter, the 15th verse. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose to say whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me, Joshua says, and as for you and I, we pray that, that as for you and I, in our household, we will serve the Lord. God bless the reading of the Old Testament. And as we turn to the New Testament, we find these words in Matthew 10, chapter 32 to 33. Jesus says, Whoever acknowledges me, I will acknowledge them. But anyone who denies Christ, Christ will deny them. Reading from Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse 32. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me, Jesus, before others, before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. God bless the reading and hearing of the word. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. My lecture today is up. About sharing Christ. Why should we share Christ? And I've, I've given it a bunch of scriptural support, so you're going to write down each pen written. Our job and responsibility in order of God as, as a Christian is to increase the company we will share in heaven. I'm going to share the reasons we need to share the faith in Christ with others. God has already done a painfully awful purpose work that allows us to turn back to return to our Father God. It is now our honor and job, frankly, it's our responsibility to share the good news of Jesus Christ to others. The English word gospel is taken from the Anglo-Saxon word gaspa, which means glad tidings. It's then been translated from the Greek evangelion, which means good message. Originally, the word evangelion came from the great news of a military victory. When the New Testament was written, its writers attached the word gospel to good news, meaning personal salvation in Jesus Christ. These verses should be taken personally because they warn against shame that comes along with not proclaiming or showing Jesus 
to others. God wants us to share his good news, but we should never feel embarrassed or ashamed to do so. Although I know there's many opportunities to feel ashamed embarrassed and embarrassed, there's no reason or need to do so. In Deuteronomy 31, 6, I'm going to cover a lot of scriptures, so you're going to write them down in Deuteronomy 31, 6, we should feel no shame or fear. We are to be strong and courageous because Jesus himself is with us. We're not alone when we're sharing the good news. He's right here in our hearts. Psalm 96, verse 2 and 4. Once again, God is to be praised throughout the whole world. How's he going to do that? Through us, children. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. God is speaking to Israel in this case, but really speaking to all of us. He's alongside of us, strengthening us. We are to feel no shame. He will strengthen us when we evangelize to others by holding us up in his right hand. Matthew 4, chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. That shows how urgent it is. It is for us to not compare it to earthly occupations. All we do on earth has nothing in common or to do with having people join us in heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. We are increasingly blessed through persecution through his name, and our reward for being persecuted is built up in heaven. Our tolerating persecution for his sake equals enlarging our heavenly reward. In a way, we should almost relish and look forward to the persecution we're going to obtain. They will call us names. They will make fun of us. They may do other bad, unfortunate things to us. But you know what? Our reward for doing all we were doing is being built up in heaven. They can't take it away, and they should not shame you for doing it here on earth. Mark chapter 8, verse 38. We are to act boldly and shamelessly, so the Lord will not be ashamed of us. When we, when we go forward and act boldly and spread his news and message to others, it's being counted up there, not here. We're here taking the garbage we take sometimes for doing it, maybe some insults. But you know what? How does that compare to a heavenly reward? I'm telling you right now, it doesn't. There's no way it can. And any little bit of garbage we take down here for doing his work is worth the reward, well worth the reward we're going to receive when we get to heaven. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. All of the nations are to be brought into the family of God by using and sharing his word. Not some... Not a few, not many, all nations are to be brought under the blood of Jesus Christ. He's going to do that to us. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30. Jesus tells us that despite any earthly conditions or possessions we'll have to leave here behind on earth, in our pursuit, in our pursuit of him and his work are worthless. What do you have here on earth? Who do you know? What toy do you have? What property do you have? I don't care what it is. 
Well, how can you compare that to what he's got pretty for you up in heaven? It doesn't, and you can't. When you get up to heaven through faith in Jesus Christ, and you're rewarded in heaven for what you've done down here, you're not going to remember or know anything about earth. Everything down here is going to disappear. Glory be to God in his name, Jesus Christ. We don't need to remember the pain. We don't need to remember the sorrow. We don't need to remember the inconveniences or the treachery that happened to us here on earth, and we won't. Mark chapter 13, verse 10. His word should be preached everywhere. That's what I said at the beginning. Not some places, not most places, all places, everywhere. Luke chapter 12, verse 8 9. We show Jesus to others shamelessly. This is our Lord of what we're telling We can't see it, we can feel it sometimes. But if we show Jesus to others here shamelessly on earth, he will show the emotional joy you have for him to the angels encircling the throne. They're not unaware of what's going on down here if we're doing his work in his name. Angels are celebrating that Jesus tells them about it in heaven. John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus sends us to share the good news with others, just as the Father God has sent Jesus. It's tit for tat. I don't know if I like that term, but it's tit for tat. God sent Jesus down here for you. You should share the word so that those people share Jesus with you up there. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Once again, we should feel no shame in the gospel. The gospel is the very power of salvation to every soul on earth. Philemon chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writes about praying and sharing our faith with others promotes all the good things of Jesus to others. There's really no other reason we should do it. You're preaching good news. You're trying to help them. You're trying to give them an eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ when you're sharing. There's nothing bad that can come from that. Remember, we'll all be rewarded from God for evangelizing and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ while here on earth. We were created as a direct family member of God when we became Christians and to communicate with the Father, God, through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Jesus paid the ultimate price, pain and blood and sweat, so that we may possess our only method of communicating with Father God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our channel and the reason why we can and should spread the glorious good news of Jesus Christ. When we're sharing good news of Jesus Christ to others, we're telling them, He's here with you. You're not alone. God hears your prayers. He doesn't always ask them the way you think He should. That's besides the point. When we, when we run into people that, we do not, that do not know Christ, it is really our responsibility, it's your responsibility, to increase the company that will join you in heaven. You're not only saving them for an eternity in hell, but you're increasing your own suitability in company in heaven. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Aren't you saying that, Ken?
I'm going to address a little elephant that's in the room this year. It's a 50-year-old college football tackling incident that altered my left hand. Uh, and then two years ago, in a hunting accident, I just about nearly tore that finger off, and then and the, the doc said it's finally time to replace the, the knuckle, otherwise uh, the finger would be gone. So that's the little elephant that I'm dealing with this morning. You know, today we've been asked to kind of clarify a clear voice, and I think Mike certainly touched on that clear voice of the responsibility and the effectiveness of taking a courageous stand for God in the personal, domestic, and social areas of our life. In a day of multiple, multiple voices, and who can say you've ever lived in an era where there's so many multiple, multiple voices and confused loyalties, it's refreshing and a voice to hear about the, about the noise of the multitudes. The nation of Israel was and continued to be one of the most longest lasting nations in the world. And the nation of Israel experienced many tumultuous times, but it's always been God's timepiece, God's times for peace. And these voices, the nation of Israel was, was one of the most tumultuous times. It's just getting started during the day of Joshua. As an organized nation, and it's surrounded by all the nations of the then-existent nations. There were the Amorites, there were the Perzites, the Canaanites, Hittites, the Gergesites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all non-existent today. Only Israel has been that nation for some 6,000 years from almost creation, which and which form of government should they adopt? Which form of government should they adopt? Which form of culture should they follow? Which system of education, even which religions, religion should they follow? Which system of a consideration of, of incentives as a new nation. And the answer was too clear. And, and the people seeking for complicated solutions passed over the real solution. There was division as division has never occurred before. Then Joshua the successor to Moses steps forward. The elder statesman of Israel declared his own commitment in a resolution that was literally heard around the world and continues to be heard as one of the most quoted statements in the world today. And what were the characteristics of this vow? It's a vow that you and I should make. It's a vow of of personal nature, it's a, it's a vow of paternal nature, it's a, it's a vow of positive and assertive claims as we enter in this era 
phone made by Joshua, which rallied the people back to Jehovah and remains as our grand example in this present hour. Let's look at that phone. It was personal. It was personal. As for me, as for me, Joshua said, Joshua believed in, in religious freedom. Never for one moment did Joshua try to intimidate the people and coerce them into following the Lord whom he loved and which he knew. He gave them free choice. He gave them an ample opportunity to serve the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, or whose land that they dwelled in during his time. Joshua knew that every person has to stand before God, that every one of us individually stands before God and gives an accounting of the life and the stewardship of our times. Joshua knew that every person has to stand before God on his own, that a blanket, a blanket endorsement of Jehovah by the nation would not suffice for the individual. Therefore, he let the people know that they had a choice, much as you by way of television or radio or YouTube and other means of communication or here, all of that. You have a choice, as you always have. We're not animated robots so pro programmed to serve God mandatorily. But he also let it be known emphatically that regardless of their choice, his, his would not change it. If the whole nation returned to the idolatrous heathenism of the surrounding nations or the, the idolatry of the many wives and concubines that they had of previous generations or if they embraced the gods of the nations around them, Joshua well, was committed to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord, not the cultural relativism of the day. Joshua was committed to serve the Lord. He did not wait for a majority vote to be taken, a vote to be taken to see which side he should be on. He did not wait to see which way the crowd was going. And I fear many today test the direction of the crowd and the crowd is going before he started himself. Nor did he weigh the possibilities of his prestige or the possibilities of his position but instead plunged headlong into personal declaration of his faith and his fidelity to Almighty God. And one, one cannot help but wonder, wonder today how many of God's people would remain loyal, even nominally affiliated with the cause of Christ, if such cause were to become suddenly unpopular in our land. In a society in which it is convenient and beneficial for one to be known as a Christian, it is our concern to know if we would stand firm, firm for the Lord, if our business or our social position or our salary were in jeopardy. It's a time that we accept the fact, the fact of our personal responsibility and our individual judgment before God. 
as far as discipleship is concerned, we live in a spiritual monarchy, a spiritual monarchy, not a democracy. We do not wait to see how the vote of other Christians may go before we act. We are to act as the king directs us from the throne of glory. Can numbers affect us or change nature, state, and laws? Can numbers make the, the worse the better cause? Vice must be vice and virtue must be virtue still. Though thousands rail at good and, and practice ill, rather stand up assured with conscious pride alone than err with millions on the wrong side and be sincerely wrong. It was not only personal, but it was, it was paternal. It was paternal. He says, and my house, and my house. Joshua was not departing from his concept of individual freedom and responsibility before God. But Joshua was recognizing his responsibility as a head, the head of his home. As far as Joshua could possibly extend his influence and his example, he intended his influence to see that those of his household served the Lord with him. Many of my congregations I have served, there have been individuals that had hearing loss and challenges. You know, I often ask how many words have you heard that I've said and many times he said very little and their response was one similar to a gentleman in my first congregation that said I just want everybody to know and I want Satan to know which side of the fence I'm on I'm on the Lord's side too many fathers today are not are not concerned about leading their families in their relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with God, a relevant witness to the world. They have a confused image of, of fatherhood in their responsibility, seeing themselves as nothing but mere breadwinners and wage earners. They are involved in tiresome days of battle in the economic jungle of our industrial society. They're away from their families, long hours and often many days. And when not at work, they become engaged in clubs and they become engaged in sports and recreation and hobbies, which take them away from their families again. Consequently, any religious direction is received from mother and if she is too busy, the church and if both mother and father are too busy to come or care, one of the modern parent, parenthood most ridiculous attempts to be magnanimous is contained in the statement, I don't want to force my religion. I don't want to force my religion on my child, so I will just let them find their faith for themselves. No conscientious parent lets a child choose their own school or, or their own clothing and control.
control their own money until they have been properly trained and led. We instruct our children in the ways of business and, and social amenities, cultural enjoyments, and physical hygiene. We teach them how to walk, we teach them how to talk, we teach them how to eat, how to swim, how to talk on the telephone, how to drive a car, and even influence them in the direction of marriage. Then in the most important area of their entire existence, we ignore all responsibility and leave the child without any direction or example to follow in trying to understand God in the relationship with Jesus Christ. The home is the greatest redemptive society on the face of the earth. And the parent who ignores and the parent who refuses, this opportunity loses that favorite part that God had in his redemptive plan for them to fulfill. And lastly, it was a positive command. It was positive. We, we will serve. Joshua did not say that he would lead his family and himself into deeper psychological analysis of their spiritual confrontations, or that he would attempt to arouse a spiritual emotion towards God. But Joshua said that they intended to serve the Lord. They, he and his family, were going to be actively involved in any expression of God. Grace in their personal lives, in their home lives, and in their society. They would accept the problems of their day as their own problems in their work, diligently to correct them under the leadership of the Lord. They would deliberately seek out those who needed a helping hand and a loving heart and a benevolent spirit. They would recognize that every talent and every opportunity they had was God's way of revealing God's self and himself to his son Jesus Christ and to them on earth. They would take the emotions that they left in public worship and apply them in their private lives. They would execute their religion beyond the four walls of the tabernacle or the church or the temple in which they sang praises to God. They were not taking stand against particular things, but they were taking a positive stand for God. They knew that if they were busy serving the Lord, they would not have time to serve Satan. Contrast our own situation in which we are leading our children to believe that it is perfectly acceptable for them to have their own ideas about God, just as long as they do not make them too obvious or offensive or too woke or anyone else and keep them to themselves. How can Christ possibly be exalted in the minds and hearts to think about Jesus and to feel about him in the lives that do nothing for him? And it was public. It was public. Joshua said unto all the people in verse 2. His dedication was not made to a few close friends. Joshua was used to battling on the open field and cared not for the secret intrigue of, of public conferences and subtle compromises to friend and foe alike, to believer and unbeliever, to the righteous and the ungodly, he made his faith known. Father, this morning as we bow in prayer and as we consecrate our lives, the religion of Jesus Christ is 
not to be treated like membership in a secret lodge or a club. Jesus made it clear that we were to confess him before others, and he warned us of the eternal consequences of refusing to do so. Matthew chapter 10, if we deny Christ publicly, he will deny us. He accepts no secret admirers. Those of us who aspire to the privilege of being in disciples must remember that he said we would have to take out our cross. He also made it plain that those who are not with him are against him and that no one can serve two masters at the same time. Civilization today appears to be like frightened cattle approaching the stock yards for slaughter. Perhaps we do not have much time left. Perhaps our civilization is like a sinking ship that no one can save. But we can save the passengers. Let us clearly define for ourselves and the world where we stand. Lead our families to stand with us and begin actively and publicly to serve the Lord our God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the A.B. sees the salvation as A, all of us have sinned and fallen short the glory of God from pulpit, view and view to pulpit. And then we need to be, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we need to see, confess him as our Lord and Savior. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I admit I have sinned in things I've done and left undone. Forgive my sins, O Lord. Come into my heart and life. Empower me by your Holy Spirit to share your name, your testimony, in Jesus' name. Amen. What you asked. As the ushers wait upon you this morning for your tithes and offerings, let us turn to our offertory printed and in our bulletin. Holy God, as we offer to you gifts from the abundance you have provided us, we recognize that the offering that concerns you is more than what is in our wallets and purses, but in our hearts. You, you desire from us hearts that are a fit place for you to live and dwell. Help us to clear out long-held anger, resentments, prejudice, and hate. Help us to furnish our hearts with love, mercy, justice, compassion, and forgiveness, so they might be a place you feel welcome and at home. Help us present this offering as well. In Jesus we pray, amen. As we turn to our offertory prayers and as the ushers circulate the offering plates, let us turn to our offertory hymn, Trust and Obey, Purple Number 467, in the honor, tribute, anniversary of Gary Antigos.
response, the steadfast love of the Lord, which is in your red praise book, number 38. Thank you. 